0: This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The schoolboy was so excited about the science fair at his school. He proudly posed for a photo with his project, but after that, he simply disappeared. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called Little Boy Lost. A schoolboy disappeared from his school. Where was he? I'd like you to think back to your school days. All of us had those special events at school when our parents and families were invited to various school activities like sports days, concerts, graduations, school fetes, etc. This story took place 12 years ago in 2010. A seven-year-old schoolboy named Kyron attended an elementary school in the city of Portland, Oregon in the US. It was a Friday and Kyron was particularly looking forward to going to school that day. His school was holding a science fair and he had made a special project about frogs. So on that morning, his stepmother Terry took him to school and he set up his project in the gymnasium amongst all the other exhibits. His stepmother took a photo of Kyron standing in front of his project. He had a huge smile on his face, looking really happy and proud of his project. They then left the gymnasium and Chiron headed off to his class, waving goodbye to Terry. Later that day, she posted the photo of Chiron with his project on her Facebook page. At the end of the school day, Terry and Kyron's father walked to the school bus stop to meet Kyron, but he wasn't on the bus. The driver said he hadn't boarded the bus after school, so they went back to the school and it was then that they were told Kyron hadn't been at school. His teacher had marked him absent. But of course Terry said he was at school, as they had both been at the science fair together and she had taken the photo of him. With Kyron not being at school or at home, the school secretary called 911 to report Kyron missing. Now, before we go on with the story, it's important to talk about Chiron's family, as there are his biological parents and step-parents, who will be mentioned throughout the story. So in order to avoid confusion, here is an explanation of his family. Chiron's parents divorced just before Chiron was born and were granted shared custody. However, his father took over full custody of Chiron when he was two years old, when his mother was diagnosed with kidney failure and her condition was too severe to be able to look after Chiron. About three years later, Chiron's father married again to a lady named Terry, who then became his stepmother. They had been romantically involved when Chiron's parents were in the midst of their divorce. Terry was a teacher who had a master's degree and had ambitions to become a school superintendent. The couple then had another child together who was 19 months old at the time. Terry also had another son from a previous marriage, so there were five people living in Chiron's household. Although Kyron was no longer living with his mother, she still took part in his upbringing. His mother then went on to marry again to a man who was a police detective and Kyron would spend weekends at their home. So, after making the 911 call, the police arrived at the school and conducted a search, but Kyron was not located. Meanwhile, the school had sent out an alert via phone message to all the parents in the school district, which said, Kyron Horman did not arrive at home today. A photo of Chiron was provided to the media. They continued to look for Chiron throughout the night, with a search and rescue team also being called in to assist. But despite their efforts, Chiron wasn't found. The search then continued the next day, which was a Saturday. And by the afternoon, the FBI and National Guard had also joined the search. While the search continued, Chiron's parents set about doing what they could to publicize his disappearance. And it was in Chiron's favor that he had four parents banding together to find their little boy. The family created a Facebook group called Missing Chiron Horman and a reward fund was launched. Chiron's stepmother, Terry, also posted on Facebook that she had ordered 1,000 flyers and asked for help to distribute them. They received many volunteers who helped to post the flyers around their town. While the search for Chiron was continuing, police detectives set about interviewing all the students, staff and parents who were at the school on the day of the science fair. And obviously, there were many more people to interview than if it had been a normal school day. So here is what they were able to establish. Chiron hadn't made it to his class after he said goodbye to Terry. Therefore, his teacher marked him as being absent. A lady who was the president of the school PTA recalled seeing Terry and Chiron. With his science project, and then there was one other possible sighting of him. A student said they had seen him near the south entrance of the school. So, was it possible that Chiron had just wandered off by himself? His mother was asked to provide a character profile of her son. Was he the type of boy who liked to go off exploring? Desiree described Chiron as being shy and reserved and she was sure that he wouldn't have wandered off somewhere in the school grounds by himself. He was very attached to his mother, and whenever they went somewhere, he always wanted to be by her side. He had very poor eyesight, and if Desiree just happened to be too far away, he would get panicked. So Desiree absolutely discounted the theory that he had wandered off by himself. As Terry, his stepmother, may have been the last person to be with Chiron or to see him, the police were keen to get her version of what happened. Terry stated that they had arrived at school at about 8am and set up Chiron's project in the gymnasium and that's when she took the photo of him. Terry recalled that she probably left about 30 minutes later, waving goodbye to Chiron and watched him walk up the stairs towards his classroom. He walked down the corridor and just before he reached his classroom, Terry then turned around and left the school. Her 19-month-old daughter had been with her. After leaving, she had gone to do some errands, including going to a grocery store. She had wanted to buy some medication for her daughter, who had an earache, but they didn't have what she wanted so she went to another store. She then said from about 10am, she drove around for about an hour and a half in an attempt to soothe her daughter's earache. She felt the driving may help her to go to sleep. But her daughter didn't go to sleep and her earache just didn't get any better. So she then decided to go to the gym to do a workout and put the baby in the crèche at the gym. Then later in the afternoon, She said she posted the photo of Kyron on her Facebook page. After hearing Terry's story, the police thought it odd that she had driven around for an hour and a half and especially because she couldn't say exactly where she had driven but just said it was in the general vicinity of the town where they lived. So the police decided to verify her story. Security cameras did confirm she had been at the two stores and staff at the gym also verified she had been there. They then set about examining her phone records to try to account for the time she had been driving around. Her phone was found to have pinged at a tower on an island about 30 minutes away, which was accessed by going across a bridge. She had never mentioned about being in this location, so the police then questioned her about this. She told them that she hadn't driven onto the island and that perhaps she had driven along a road somewhere near the location which was close enough for her phone to ping. So for three weeks, the police had been continuing their efforts to locate Chiron, but it was at this point that Terry's relationship with Kyron's father began to deteriorate. A phone call was made to 911 from Chiron's home regarding threats that had been made. A second call was made citing a custody issue. The calls were made by Chiron's father, who told 911 that he needed assistance after his wife, Terry, was making threatening gestures towards him. After this, he moved out of the house, taking his 19-month-old daughter with him. When the media were alerted to this incident, reporters arrived at the family home and asked Terry if the reports were true that her husband had moved out of the home. She stated, Everything's good. We heard that rumor. It's just a rumor that needs to be squelched. Everything's fine. But it seemed that everything was not fine, as Terry was then served with a restraining order by her husband and also a petition for the disillusion of their marriage. The restraining order stated that she was not to have any contact with their 19-month-old and her husband also filed for full custody of the baby. Kyron's father also went to court requesting that Terry be forced to move out of his house. This was granted and after she moved out, he then returned with the baby. Terry then filed a motion to have visitation rights with their daughter Kiara, but her estranged husband filed an objection describing her as quote, an emotionally disturbed individual focused on her own needs rather than the needs of Kiara or my missing Chiron. Her lawyers then made a counterclaim that he was only focused on his wife's destruction rather than their daughter's best interests. Stating that the filing was, quote, vicious in its tone and content, intended to vilify the mother with incendiary tactics to completely destroy and sabotage the mother child relationship to the utter detriment of his daughter. Terry ultimately decided to withdraw the motion, seeking parental time with their daughter, Kiara. So just when Kyron's father, The matter was resolved, Terry decided to bypass the court system and went to their daughter's daycare, where she tried to take her from the centre. He then went to court stating she had violated the restraining order by trying to kidnap their daughter. It was also discovered that when Kyron's father had left the house with the baby, a man was seen to come and go from the house regularly. And actually, Chiron's father knew this man. He was a high school friend of his. The man had said he had come to help and support Terry after Chiron's disappearance. He stated, I just care about them and want their son to be found. However, it was found that this so called support involved having a sexual relationship with Terry. This was verified by text messages between the couple and nude photos that she had sent him of herself. Terry explained that she only had the affair because she wanted to get back at her estranged husband for having previously also cheated on her. But he denied this allegation. As already seen, in the beginning, the four parents presented a united front to help find Chiron, But then Terry started exhibiting questionable conduct and Kyron's mother, Desiree, began to have serious concerns about Terry. Her actions showed that she appeared very unstable. While the rest of the family were worried beyond belief about Chiron, Terry was having a sexual relationship with her estranged husband's friend. And there was also something else that bothered Desiree. She had some concerns about the story Terry had given about saying goodbye to Kyron at school Terry had described clearly where she and Chiron had been in the school building and from her account of where she had been standing Desiree felt that there was no way she could have seen Chiron's classroom from that position she just didn't believe Terry's story but why would she lie about this or did the shock of what happened to Chiron just make her not recall what had happened correctly. But it was what happened next which just seemed incomprehensible. There had been a man who had been working at Kyron's home as a gardener. He came forward with a startling allegation against Terry. He claimed that about six months earlier, she had offered him $10,000 to kill her husband. He alleged that Terry had described her husband's routine and asked the man to make it look like the killing was a mugging. So, what was Terry's response to this man's allegation? She claimed the man just fabricated this story because she had refused his advances. One day, when he had been working at the house, he tried to kiss her, but she wasn't interested. So she felt he made up the story to get back at her. The police asked if she had told her husband about this. Terry explained that she couldn't tell her husband because he didn't know the gardener had been working at their house. They had a large property, but he didn't want money wasted on a gardener, so it was their teenage son who did the mowing. However, Terry actually hired the gardener without her husband's knowledge and pretended the son was doing it. This had been going on for months. She just made sure the work was done when he was at work. So Terry claimed it was the gardener who wanted to kill her husband so that he could be with her. And she also believed that he was the one who had kidnapped Chiron, as he knew the family having worked at their home. But Chiron's father and mother, Desiree, did not believe her version of the events at all. Given everything that had happened, they could not give her the benefit of the doubt. More and more, they viewed Terry as a very disturbed woman. But Desiree also had some other information about Terry regarding the night before Chiron went missing. Desiree claimed that Terry had emailed a friend saying that she and Chiron's father had been involved in a heated argument. She said she had enough and that she was going to leave him the next day, which turned out to be the day Chiron disappeared. But Terry denied this and her husband also denied that there had been any argument that night. So had Desiree made this up? She also claimed that Terry had emailed a friend saying how much she hated Kyron. But Desiree was unable to prove any of this. But she made it known that if Terry could contemplate murdering her own husband, then she could have also been responsible for doing something unthinkable to Kyron as well. After hearing the murder plot story, the police decided to hook the gardener up with a wire in the hope that Terry would say something to incriminate herself in her husband's murder plot or in Chiron's disappearance. However, no evidence was obtained and therefore they could not arrest her. The police had also looked at Terry's social media and they found that she had made a very interesting post only six days after Chiron disappeared. The post read, Hitting the gym tomorrow. Didn't get home until 8pm tonight. Does this sound like normal behavior for someone whose child had gone missing only days before? So, as seen, Terry had exhibited very strange and questionable behavior, which seemed to point to her possibly being involved in Chiron's disappearance. But the police were just not able to pin anything on her, so she never became a suspect. So, the police then decided to look more closely at Terry's friends and they found that a particular friend named Dee Dee had moved in with Terry after her relationship with her husband broke down and he left with their daughter. Dee Dee claimed that she had been supporting her friend. However, the police also received another story from a man who had employed Dee Dee as a gardener at his property. On the day that Chiron disappeared, she had been working on the property but then apparently left, as the man could not locate her. He looked everywhere, but she wasn't there. Then sometime later that day, she just reappeared. She claimed that she had been there the whole time. So there was some suspicion that her leaving the property had something to do with Chiron's disappearance. The man had also stated that her car had remained at the property. So how did she leave? This led to the theory that Terry had come to pick her up. So were they both involved in Kyren's disappearance? Perhaps the time Dee Dee had been missing was the one and a half hour period that Terry had said she had been driving around trying to soothe her daughter. The police also uncovered that Dee Dee had helped Terry by an untraceable phone. So, this woman, Dee Dee, was to go on and appear at a court deposition related to Chiron's disappearance. But she refused to answer 142 questions that were asked of her, which included questions about where she was on the day of Chiron's disappearance and whether she had contact with Terry on that day. She also wouldn't identify a photo of Chiron or even say whether or not. She had met him before. She also refused to say if she knew Kyron's father. The police searched her home, but nothing was found. So, when it was Terry's turn to be questioned, she said something under oath which she had not mentioned before in any previous interviews with the police. On the day of the science fair, she said she saw a white truck parked outside the school that was similar to hers and the day before she said she had seen the same truck parked outside a 711 a man from the truck then went inside and asked the cashier where the nearest school was and he pointed the man towards kyron's school the cashier then called 911 according to terry but when police checked this they found no calls to 911 had been made from the 7-Eleven, so she was lying. She was asked how she knew this about this man and she said that she had heard it from somewhere but she couldn't say where from. So was Terry trying to shift the suspicion away from herself by saying that a car similar to hers was seen at the school who must have been Chiron's kidnapper? The other aspect of Chiron's disappearance Which the police wanted to pursue was the fact that his teacher had marked Chiron as being absent that day. So the police questioned his teacher and she provided a very interesting response. She said that Terry had informed her previously that Chiron wouldn't be at school on that Friday, as he had a doctor's appointment. So the teacher didn't have any concern about Chiron as she already knew that he would be absent. So had Terry planned to do something to Kyron that Friday and covered herself by saying he would be absent? So when the police questioned Terry about this, her response was that yes, she had told the teacher he wouldn't be at school Friday, but she didn't specify which Friday. So the teacher must have just assumed that it was that Friday. And the police were also puzzled by Terry's explanation about where she had been in that one and a half hour time frame and how she had stated that she hadn't been on the island but perhaps nearby. It was clearly shown that her phone had pinged on the island. So was she trying to avoid it being known that she had been there? And if so, why? The island was obviously surrounded by water. There was also a lake nearby and a thick wooded area. So did she perhaps go there to dispose of Chiron's body, thinking it would be less likely to be found? However, a thorough search of the area came up empty-handed. After everything that had transpired since Kyron's disappearance and Terry's questionable behaviour, the police felt there were enough questions about her conduct to warrant Terry undergoing a lie detector test. And what was the result? Terry failed the test. She was then given a subsequent test, but partway through she refused to continue. The police managed to convince her to take a third test, saying that if she truly had nothing to hide and if her statement had been truthful, then it was in her own interest to take the test. She agreed, but again, partway through, she refused to continue. A failed lie detector test does not prove someone is being deceitful and as we know, they are not admissible in court. In fairness to all parties involved, Chiron's other three parents also underwent the test and they all passed. They were all convinced that she was responsible for what happened to Chiron, but there was no concrete evidence to arrest her. Even Terry's own father had his doubts. He was asked if he thought his daughter would be ultimately arrested and he replied in tears, it's 50-50. Desiree and Kyron's father gave numerous media interviews expressing their opinion that Terry had murdered Chiron, As he wasn't her biological child, they felt she just saw him as a burden they ultimately decided to file a lawsuit asking a judge to compel Terry to divulge where Chiron's body was. However, they ultimately decided to drop this lawsuit. Kyron's disappearance then came up to the three-year mark and it was then that his parents appeared on the Dr. Phil show and Terry herself decided to tell her side of the story, to dispel the rumours, that she had anything to do with what happened to Kyron. Terry spoke about how she believed she had just become a scapegoat because she had been the last person to see Kyron. And she also believed that the evil stepmother narrative was perpetuated through the media. Eventually, Terry could no longer live in the town and so moved somewhere else. She also wanted to change her name but this was denied by the court as Kyron's disappearance was still a criminal investigation. It was then at the eighth year mark since Kyron went missing in 2018 that Terry went on to remarry, but it seemed that trouble continued to follow her. She was accused of stealing a gun, arrested for driving a stolen vehicle and threatened a former boyfriend with a knife and had another restraining order taken out against her. Another former boyfriend claimed that 30 years earlier, she had also wanted to murder him and hired a hitman. The man appeared at their house with a gun, but for reasons unknown, did not go through with the killing. And then in 2020, it was 10 years since Chiron had last been seen, and a book was published about the case called Missing the Search for Kyron Horman. I haven't been able to access this book but it claims that a number of people saw Kyron walking through the school parking lot with Terry his stepmother and her infant daughter. The people who claimed to have seen them were the school bus driver, a classmate and two of the classmate's family members. This information had not been divulged 10 years earlier. So how does it now surface? To me, this just seems to lack credibility. All right, so here are my thoughts on this case. So Terry had her daughter with her when they went to school. So how could she have done something to Kyron with her daughter with her? And of course, if she had, her daughter was too young to have been able to say anything anyway. The photo of Kyron with his science project is just so haunting. He has this huge smile on his face. How does a boy go missing in a school where there are so many people and there were more people on that day than usual because of the science fair? Maybe that's how whoever abducted him was able to do it so easily, assuming, of course, that Terry wasn't responsible. But then again, as Desiree said, Kyron was very attached to his mother, so I can't see him going off with a stranger. Although we know that these sorts of people are good at enticing children, and after all, Kyron was only seven. It's really hard to go past Terry as being involved. Or was she just a victim of all of her bizarre behaviour, which at the end of the day didn't necessarily mean that she was the killer. She just kept digging her own grave. She was obviously career-orientated, had a master's, and wanted to become a school superintendent. Then she finds herself having to be a mother to two-year-old Kyron. Did she come to resent Kyron that he had stopped her from pursuing her dreams? But then again, she had another baby after Chiron came to live with them. Perhaps this was just by an accident, not by choice. But whatever the case, She then found herself with three children to look after. So what do you think about this case? Obviously, Terry had never been arrested. So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and her behaviour was really appalling. But it's highly likely, in my mind, that she did have something to do with it. So what do you think? And now let's preview the next episode. It's called Con Artist. A 25-year-old man enrolled as a high school student. How did he get away with it? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote about Terry's innocence or guilt. You're guilty until proven innocent. Perception is reality. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.